airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. I think that we have it uh, shaken out today. We'll um, open up the phone lines and see if we can get some response to what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, Today's topic of conversation is that um, making the observation that the woke's language uh, is necessarily that of violence. Mm. That uh, what we are seeing in this country is not the exception to what has become a woke posture. Um, it's not the exception. It's the rule. It, it's by design, or I would say kind of defined, especially when you talk about uh, critical race theory, and um, which, again, is the offspring of critical theory. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we'd have to go into a whole show on that again, where we unpack what critical theory is and critical race theory and all of those things. But one of the things that I've, I've been looking at increasingly, and, and I'll tell you where ultimately I want our listeners to be thinking, I want us to be thinking in terms of when our um, schools across this country reopen, however that happens. I know that there's a, there's a national discussion. Everybody's weighing in on that. There's a, there are opinions that abound uh, what that should look like, but that's not what I want to talk about today. Uh, what I want to talk about is when our schools open, mm-hmm. reopen, um, what kind of environment will children from Christian households go into? Mm. That's what I want us to be thinking about. And I want us to think about that against the backdrop of this. Um, what I'm going to hopefully set up for you and unpack is that the woke's language is necessarily violence. It's necessarily violence because if you go back to critical race theory and you look at um, it as a what what started out as a legal framework, a legal lens through which to view systems of oppression, right? right? So American law and justice is biased against people of color, namely black people, as was described in their quote unquote founding documents. But critical race theory, by definition, uses as its methodology. Now, I'm going to put science in quotes, okay? <laughs> because when we classically think of science we Mm -hmm. do think of something that can be tested something that can be repeated you understand what i'm saying where you can gather research you can make observations but um critical race theory is not a science all right it is not a science although it presents itself as some sort of uh (laughs) which this is weird to even say too but like a philosophical science um that's dumb (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I, I try to, I try to, I do try to invite our kids to steer clear of, you know, words like that, but sometimes it's the right word, right? That's just dumb. But critical race theory, which by the way, if people have any question about what is happening right now in our country, it is the result of uh, consistent, persistent, uh, relentless indoctrination in across all of our major institutions. And let me say this, and this is sad, including the church, hmm. including the church. Yep. And and if and if you remember, 
uh, when we talk about the Italian Marxist who wrote his prison notebooks, he talked about all of the institutions having to um, kind of be marched through this long march through all of the institutions where you undo the 2000 year influence of Christianity. I'm not making it up. Antonio Gramsci. You can go look it up. Prison notebooks. Uh, and he wrote this very thing from prison, by the way, um, talking about there had to be a long march through institutions so that you could undo the influence of Christianity over the civilized world. Mm. All right. And so what we see happening in this country right now is the result of the success of that lar- that long march. Yeah. And and I, I, I hate to do it, but we have too much information to ignore that the march has not already been made through our churches. Okay, like there's just Man. too much information for us to say, well, they didn't get through the church doors. Um, actually, yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they did. I mean, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. That that should have been impervious to this march, if you will. But it has happened. And so getting back to critical race theory, and, and this is we kind of give some background here for this discussion. Um, critical race theory uses as its methodology or quote unquote science narrative or storytelling narrative or storytelling or experience. None of the three are a science, right? None of, none of them, none of them, <laughs> none of the narrative, three are a science, right? Narr- story narrative, storytelling or experience. experience. Wow. Is not a science, but this is how critical race theory makes its way or solidifies its position in culture. By we are a thing because of oh, listen, this story. All right, this this is a legitimate philosophy because listen, this experience, <laughs> and keep telling your story and keep telling your experience. You have the right to be heard. All of these things that we hear commonly. So this. The point that I'm making is that this received and adopted academic philosophy, which we see the result of right now in our in our country, all the violence, all the posturing, what we have um, sort of reduced to a catchphrase we call wokeness. (laughs) All of this comes from an actual academic philosophy, critical race theory. All right. Um, And actually, the term wokeness comes from consciousness. Right. Initially, Mm. man, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds of this (laughs) because I want to stay on topic. But if you you have to dig down deep to really understand what we're what what <laughs> what the fruit is that's falling into our laps. Yeah. Okay, as again Antonio Gramsci said. So this this ripened fruit fruit that's falling into the laps of the cultural Marxists as they transitioned is really the minds of Americans, right? Mm. It is no longer thinking for yourself. So without speaking in too much of like a, a circular term here. I don't mean to do that. When we talk about the language of wokeness, mm-hmm. that language necessarily descends into violence because it does not rely on facts. It relies on emotion. It doesn't rely on intellect. <laughs> it relies on storytelling. It relies, wow. it relies narrative. on narrative. Yeah. Okay. So think about when you have a child who is trying to communicate and they only have what they want. All right. They only have their desire in mind. Mm-hmm. What happens when you try to reason with a child oh, who man. only wants what they want? Meltdown. <laughs> Meltdown <laughs> is fierce. Okay. And so what we Trigger. see in this country, they, yes, yes. <laughs> and, but this you would expect from children because you know, children, 
Well, some right? of these I mean, folks just, are children. Well, mo- most of them are <laughs> cer- certainly in their thinking. I mean, and yeah. I think what's 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 kind of deceiving or what's deceptive is that when you have people who you think should know more mm-hmm. or know better um, behaving just like children, it really kind of speaks to it speaks to the type of intense indoctrination that um, man that our country has undergone. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been successful. Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because parents and grandparents and God fear and aunts and uncles still have a major role to play to see to it that your children are not taken captive by <laughs> these destructive philosophies. And, and what I, what I, and, and I, let me, and let me just say this too. I hope that I'm wrong about where I want to warn you that I think this goes I hope that I'm wrong. I don't think that I am. Mm-hmm. And 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 I would base that off of what we have seen happen um, as our culture changes, the products of our culture um, infiltrate our various institutions and deepen the change. All right. Mm-hmm. So so then our children transgenerationally are indoctrinated, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> it's that it's that whole, and I know uh, Abe actually quoted this on on Sunday, but it's the whole idea that Vody Bakum said: we cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for the education and be su- surprised when they come back as Romans. Facts. Those those <laughs> those are facts. Those are facts. You know. And 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 let me tell you something. Now, where I think parents. Christian parents and, and and we do this show I'm unapologetically talking to believers mm-hmm. so a lot of the terminology that I use would be foreign to someone who says oh I don't know I don't get that I understand that and I want to I want to be able to bear with that but I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus Christ so that means that the way I respond to the culture that means that my convictions are different from the norm and I'm okay with that I'm peculiar amen so I just want to I'm 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 totally okay with that right I'm totally okay with not making sense to the larger culture. I'm okay with that. And and I encourage every Christian to become increasingly more okay with that because you're going to see that you can't play nice <laughs> with these people, right? So here's the thing. I think that where we ultimately end up in our school system, um, I think that the type of violence that you see happening in the larger culture mm-hmm will be accepted and normalized in our school system. Yeah. Now, I hope that I'm wrong about that, but I don't I don't see what we have created during this summer of love. I don't see this going away. Notice that there are certain groups of people who come under the protection of the quote unquote I mean, authorities and I put authorities <laughs> in big quotes. <laughs> I mean, what what we're talking about today, right? Um, self-described authority. Um, notice that the people who come under protection are those who say the things that we tell them to say. Mm. Mm. Notice that the cries for fairness and the the cries for justice and equity um, are not evenly distributed. That's right. And so what Christian parents are going to have to begin thinking about and taking very seriously is, are you willing for the next wave of indoctrination to take your child literally by force. Meaning, can you send your child to school 
and expect your child to return home with all of the conviction that you have taught your child when there is the real threat of physical harm to that child's body. And, and, and look, you know, I think, look, we send, we, send, we send them off, but at the same time, there's a, there's a lack of discipleship happening in our families from uh, a parental to, a, uh, you know, to, to children, you know, and that along with being indoctrinated for hours during the day, you know, in a certain environment, man, that's just, a, that's just an ingredient, ingredient, ingredients for destruction. Because the thing is, you know, if there's no discipleship happening at home, uh, it's not properly happening. Like how can you expect anything different you know, from what you're you're going to get, it's going to be you know what what they're spewing in in, in those in those facilities in those institutions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't as parents, I think we got to come to the come to terms with that. Is it starts with us at home, right? And we have to do what we need to do to to raise our kids in the in the, in the way that they should go. And I think we have to make some hard decisions even going forward about where we're sending our children to because they're well, coming back different. And it's and here's the thing. I, I want to go a step further, though, Will. I, I want to go. Yes, I think what we have been saying for a long time, we talk about training our kids and we talk about discipling them. Mm-hmm. I think that that speaks to cultivating their minds. Now, I am concerned about the safety of our children mm. that we send into an environment where they are the minority. Mm. Re- remember, Christians have now we have. In the United States of America, mm-hmm. Bible-believing Christians have got to understand that you are the minority. I right. don't care about the color of right. your skin. Right. That's not what makes you a minority in this right. country. That is, that's not the conversation. So, so get over it. So when people start talking about, oh, yes, you know, and they sound all intellectual, and they're like, <laughs> the dominant culture. The dominant culture is hedonism. It is rebellion against (laughs) God. That's what we mean when we talk about the dominant culture. So forget color of skin as a description for that. That's good. Okay. That's how we got to look at it. What we're talking about is the Christian as the minority in the United States of America. The Bible believing Christian, you are the minority. So you are sending your kid, though, now watch all of this mind play. Though you're sending your kid into a quote unquote integrated environment. Remember that your kid goes as the minority and your kid goes as the, the, the predecided recipient of, I would say, physical indoctrination. Mm. Now, I'm going to qualify that a little bit better, okay. hopefully, when we get back. Aaron <laughs> the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back. have a philosophy that is characterized by emotion and by feeling and just by narrative okay storytelling Mm -hmm. experience um violence or fits of rage are necessarily present (laughs) it's necessary for that to be present because when you can't make your point intellectually when you cannot 
engage in normal conversation, which has as it's agreed upon in understanding, like in normal conversation, that's that's like sort of a pre agreed upon understanding that when or yeah, pre pre agreed upon posture, I guess I should say it that way, that when we converse, mm-hmm. we're trying to get to an understanding. Right. That everybody, everybody just kind of knows that. Well, at one time, we kind of knew <laughs> right. that without knowing that. Um, that's not the same today. That's not today. It is it's just submission. Yeah, it's you just, can't disagree. You, exactly right. You can't have exactly a right. Point of view. And so, what happens when a person refuses to quote unquote just agree or just submit? Then there is necessarily violence because that's you. That's not how this is supposed to go. Right. What's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to make an emotional appeal to you. You feel guilty. Therefore, you say what I'm just telling you to say. Right. Right. You remember at the end of last month, um, the, the, the new Harvard grad, uh, Clara, Jan- <laughs> Clara Janover, she, she got some Internet nicknames. We probably won't use them here. <laughs> um, but remember the one who she did a TikTok video where mm. she was talking about um, anybody who says to me, all lives matter. Well, I th- we have the clip. We can play the clip. This is from her TikTok video, the original TikTok video of this uh, recent Harvard grad who um, basically is making the point, And then I'll, I'll bring in another story here. I think that will kind of drive it home that the language of, of, of woke villains, right? Woke's language <laughs> is necessarily violence. It, it has to be violence because we can't have a reasonable conversation. I want you to be thinking about what this might look like when your kids go back to school as a minority mm. in the larger culture. I want you to think about what this might look like. All right, here, here she is, her TikTok video, Clara Janover. Next person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled cockacity to say all lives matter, I'm going to stab you. I'm going I'm to stab you. And while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut and say, my cut matters too. Now, I, the next person <laughs> who tells me that all lives matter, and, and what you, let me tell you something that's so funny about this video, um, that she's walking, she's holding a Nalgene bottle. Now, now, look, no knock to anybody. I used to own a Nalgene bottle when I was in college. All right. That's when you, you know, <laughs> but it, it's like a $30 water bottle. It really is unnecessary in like the scheme of things like in life. But it's a it's a statement, right? It's a statement. And in fact, I, I you know, anyways, it's, it's so funny to see her, you know, her comfortable life. She's walking, holding her Nalgene bottle. And uh, and and she's talking about the next person who says to her, all lives matter. She's going to stab him. And then she says, she says, I'm going to stab you. And as you're bleeding out. As you're bleeding out, in other words, as you're dying, I'm going to show you my paper cut and I'm going to say all cuts matter. Or, you know, I'm, basically, when you make the statement that you made, it is, it is as ridiculous for you to be dying in the streets and me to say, oh, look, I have a paper cut. False equivalence, mm-hmm. right? False, totally false equivalence. But she makes this case and, 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 and the backlash is fierce. I mean, she really gets it on the Internet. Um, she... <laughs> She she loses a job that she's going to get with a company. The company calls and fires her, which is interesting because she does some follow up TikTok videos where she's um, outlining sort of her. Now she's become she's become a woke martyr. All right. Mm. She's suffering now because as she says, she says she's standing up for the fact that black lives matter. But really, that's not what she's doing. What she is doing is normalizing violence when there is disagreement. Mm. 
So we can't have a conversation. If you don't say what I think you should say, then I'm going to stab you. And as you're bleeding out, basically, I'm going to mock you. All right. Now, I mean, I have to say kudos to the company Deloitte. I don't know much about this company, um, but kudos to the company that said, no, nah, that's not a candidate that we want <laughs> right. working here. Right. But I want you to listen. And I, this is this is clip number three. Mm-hmm. Well, this would be the clip that you grabbed today. But I want you to listen to how she translates the fact that she loses this job. It is not that she threatened violence against someone who disagrees with her. I want you to listen very carefully to what she hides behind. And then again, I'm going to draw some parallels here because I think that this is what is normal now in our culture at large. Not so for us, the minorities in culture, but this is normal for the majority culture. Listen. I know this is what Trump supporters wanted um, because standing up for Black Lives Matter put me in a, in a place online to be seen by millions of people. The job that I had worked really hard to get and meant a lot to me just called me and fired me because of everything. Um, I don't know if everyone's seen, but it's been circulating a lot. Um, my Black Lives Matter TikToks were picked up by conservatives and spread and shared, and people were demanding that I be fired, which I, I just got. My job that I worked really hard for. Even though they claim to stand against systematic bias, racism, and unequal treatment. So do the thousands of Trump supporters sending me hate messages, death threats, and, and violent messages. I'm still not going to stop talking about and defending Black Lives Matter. You can't take away my spirit and my devotion towards human rights. Come on, man. I mean, come on, man. I'm sorry. I mean, I just had to do it. I'm sorry. It's wonderful. No, it it is. Listen, it is, it is just, it's, man, it's, (laughs) um, so, man, a few things. I mean, because she was was sounding so, like, rough and rugged on that first one. Oh, man, she was hood. Her first (laughs) TikTok video was hood. She was like, let me catch you out in the streets. You tell me all lives matter. She said, I'm going to cut you. And as you actually, she didn't say, I'm going to cut you. She said, I'm going to cut you <laughs> all on purpose, all on purpose. I guys, I can't even go into all of it. Right. There's so much that bothers me about what she did. But she says, I'm going to cut you. I'm a I-M-M-A. I'm going <laughs> to cut you. All right. So she she is going full language woke. All right? right. I hate to use terms common to these people but she's appropriating language use okay <laughs> so she she says i'ma cut you and as you're bleeding out she <laughs> she went from man she went from hood to terribly misunderstood right. and i worked i worked so hard for this job but now listen mm-hmm. though there's something very manipulative well there's much that's manipulative about what she did but i want you to understand This is what I'm watching, and this is where I think we're ultimately going to go. What she accuses this company Deloitte of is that they were a coward. Notice that she says she's going to continue standing up, not for black lives. Nope. She's going to continue standing up for Black Lives Matter, right? Mm -hmm. She says that Deloitte basically, and and I'm going to quote her here. She says, um, you were, her words, okay, I'm just going to quote her verbatim. Doesn't make sense. But she says, Deloitte, basically, that you were cowardice enough, all right, to fight somebody 
who's going to make an indelible change in the world and is going to have an impact. In other words, I'm going to do the most good in the world and Deloitte, you don't want me. All right. But her tears, remember the tears are because she has lost basically her future according to her. Okay. And why did she lose her future? Because she was standing up for black lives matter. In other words, she's more moral than Deloitte. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's more moral than anybody who has a problem with her threatening to cut someone. Now, she says this was a joke, right? right. And, and probably it was. But it's Dang. rooted in this philosophy that says if you don't agree with me, you don't deserve to live. It is a literal cancel culture. Now, if you think I'm making this up, if you think I'm making this up, um, there's another news story. There's another news story. Um, from earlier this month, I, I want to say it was around July 4th weekend. It didn't make a lot of headlines, um, but it's incredibly troubling. There was a dispute in Indiana where there was a a, a, a woman named, I want to say, is it Dodie Whitaker? I think is how you say the first name. Dodie Whitaker, 24-year-old woman, Jessica Dodie Whitaker, Jessica Dodie Whitaker, 24 years old. She's walking with a group of people. It's in the wee hours of the morning. And someone from within her group, according to this news article, says something that is racially charged, according to this news article. All right. Well, there's another group of Black Lives Matter protests. And I should note that this woman is white. OK, as we would commonly describe that. OK. Mm -hmm. We're working on shifts. We're working <laughs> on it. Um, but somebody from a group of Black Lives Matter activists, they're all out 3 a.m., they hear this conversation and approach these people. Jessica Doty Whitaker, 24 years old, says to the group of BLM activists, all lives matter. Now, what's interesting is that the BLM activists pull out weapons, guns, but so does Jessica Doty Whitaker's group. So it turns into like a wild, wild west, right? Where they both, both sides have weapons. And what happens is there's a conversation, according to what I've read, there's a, there's an exchange where the fiance of Jessica Doty Whitaker says, uh, he believed that they had come to an agreement that, you know, misunderstanding, whatever, and they continue on. But that's not what happened. As Jessica's party continued walking on, the BLM activists made their way atop a bridge and shot down into Jessica Doty Whitaker's group, killing her, mm -hmm. killing her. So now I don't think I'm oversimplifying this to say this woman lost her life because she said all lives matter. Now, when you compare that to this Harvard graduate, who said the next person that says to me, all lives matter, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to stab you, she says. I'm going to stab you. And as you're bleeding out, you know, when you compare the thinking with the action that we saw that happened in Indiana, the point that I'm making to you is that this philosophy that is pervasive in our culture today is necessarily violent. And so my thinking and my concern is that just as we have seen our kids indoctrinated as it pertains to human sexuality and sexual identity, 
The same thing will be true for this type of neo-Marxist thought, Hmm. right? Where you cannot send your kid to school with the thought that all lives have intrinsic value. All lives matter. What happens? No, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have. You know, you're not going to have a student challenged to a duel. All right. Maybe you're not. You know, it's not going to be right. walk five paces, turn and fire. But maybe it's don't let me catch you after school. Or right. maybe it's right. you know, it's little threats and intimidations that happen. Right. So that what? So that everybody says the same thing. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that everybody just kind of goes along and says says the same thing, mm-hmm. does the same thing, mm-hmm. believes the same thing. I have long since, man, this has been my conviction. Any teaching about multiculturalism and diversity should not be entrusted to a culture void of God. Mm. You don't know how to teach that. So why do I say that? Because what I, what I, <laughs> what I anticipate will be, the great rollout of the next wave of indoctrination in our public school system. (laughs) All right. Which will be to teach hatred to one group and guilt to another. Mm. And if your kid, let's just imagine for a second that your kid is bold enough to say, I don't hate me. Let's imagine that your kid is bold enough to say, I don't hate her. (laughs) I don't see it. I don't, my mom's not raising me that way. My dad's not raising me that way. We don't, let's imagine that your kid is bold enough to say that. Then what we're going to see happen are the same types of things that we have seen happen both in this country and in other countries where kids have stood up and said, no, we believe that a man is a man. Remember the story we played the clip of the little girl who said, no, I don't believe that a boy can become a girl. Remember how she got disciplined. Remember how she got name called and all of these things. And, you know, these things are in our minds. We go, wow, that's just so far fetched. But this is where we are headed when we realize that we're the minority in culture. This is this is no longer about us having um, a majority shared view about life, about human dignity, about, to say it simply, what matters Mm. or who matters, who gets to matter. So here are the real decisions that Christians have to make. Are you going to lose your kid to the next wave of philosophical indoctrination? Are you going to lose your kid to the next wave? And and, and by the way, man, and I, I, I really hope, I really hope that I'm not right about it. Right. I really, I hope that I'm not right, but I, we have seen these things happen in cycles. They, they continue to circle around and come back with different iterations Mm -hmm. and, and sort of the, the more recent iteration, more forceful and, and lacking more understanding than the previous one. Right. So now there, there was still a little bit of reason in schools Mm -hmm. as it pertained to sexuality and sexual identity a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. (laughs) When when our kids return, Man. that little bit that was there will be gone. And why? Because now it has been linked to ethnicity. So it's it's all the same thing here. Now, if if you don't like this person, you don't like that person, you're not fit to live. You're not fit to exist. 
and our country has already normalized this violence as a legitimate expression of disagreement. Wow. So why wouldn't we see that in our schools? All right, Aaron the Addison's hmm. American Family Radio. We'll take the break and we'll be right back. You go Comes my greatest defense. It leads me from the dry wilderness. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's uh, Francesca Battistelli with Defender. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and we can go ahead and begin to open up the phone lines. I got a couple more things that I want to get to. Um, but we can take listener calls at 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Um, look, the language of the woke is necessarily uh, violence. And, and I, I'm concerned about where ultimately that goes as it pertains to our kids, as schools begin to reopen, uh, maybe in the fall. Yeah. Um, but the next wave of indoctrination and what that might look like. And I, I think that what we saw in this TikTok video from this Harvard grad, um, I think has real life consequences. And, and I, I really do think that it is something that points to where our culture is that, that mm. that's normalized, you know, that if you disagree with me, um, violence is always, you know, is always at hand, yeah. right? I could, I could, yeah. I, I could always, I'm gonna cut you <laughs> or I'm gonna mm. stab you. I want to make sure I get her, her language, right. I'm gonna stab you. Speaking of which, let me say this. I referenced TikTok. That is not an endorsement for that app. Right. I would just say um, if you are a parent, if you've got a teenager on that app, I would pay, pay extra close attention right. to what is happening. Um, TikTok is like the third most downloaded non-gaming app. Um, it is wild, wildly popular, but it is incredibly dangerous as far as it goes, uh, pertains to harvesting um, information on its users in fact, it's so dangerous that back in March, uh, Senator Josh Hawley said that um, or announced new legislation to ban TikTok on federal employees, government devices, <laughs> because the mm -hmm. Chinese are stealing information, stealing data. In fact, probably best for you to hear Senator Josh Hawley in his own words. Listen, TikTok was the most downloaded app of 2019 more than any other app in the country. More teenagers are on TikTok now than use Facebook. It counts millions and millions and millions of Americans as users, but it is owned by a Chinese company that includes Chinese Communist Party members in leadership, and it is required under Chinese law to share user data with Beijing. And TikTok has admitted that it has sent user data to China. To put it bluntly, this is a major security risks, risk for the American people. And what kind of data is TikTok collecting as it runs on our phones? A heck of a lot more than you would think. Images, of course, that users post. But TikTok also collects information about the messages that you send, about the apps that you use, the other apps on your phone. It collects the sites that you visit. It collects your search history. It collects your keystrokes. It collects your location data. It stores all of this and maybe lots, lots more. And I can tell you, as the father of two small children, 
uh, who already have many of their friends on social media, even though they're quite young, I find this absolutely horrifying, and we know that it's a national security risk. Since our last hearing on this subject, the Pentagon, the Department of State, the Department of Homeland Security, and the TSA have all banned their employees and service members from using TikTok on government devices. In fact, the Pentagon even went so far as to say that employees should have their children uninstall TikTok from their personal devices. That's pretty extraordinary. But actually, it's only prudent. And that's why today I'm announcing I will introduce legislation to ban the use of TikTok by all federal employees on all federal government devices. This is a necessary step to protect the security of the United States and the data security of every American. We thought you needed to hear that because, um, you know, sometimes you can tell people, man, I heard some information about TikTok. I heard something about, you know, uh, TikTok harvesting information. And um, and sometimes you're not clear on all on all of the details of that. But to hear that and to hear how serious this is, um, I think I hope would give a cause for for pause for parents who yeah. have kids on TikTok using that yeah. app. There are a lot of kids using that a app, lot. a lot of Christian kids using that app. Yes, um, a lot. All right. And thinking it's all just innocent, learning these 15 second dances right. and all this stuff. Um, but really, there's a, a lot more sinister stuff going on. Yeah. And so anyway, I just wanted to say that, especially because we were using um, some spliced together TikTok content. Um, that's not an endorsement for that app. In fact, that's I right. think there should be a strong caution that is issued. All right. Um, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? Eugene in Illinois. Hi, Eugene. Hey, Will, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Good. It's been uh, wonderful listening to you all these past months or so. Um, I actually wanted to talk about a little bit of the police matter uh, that's kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the unfortunate but fortunate incident when I uh, got back from Afghanistan many, many years ago to be arrested for falling asleep in a church late at night. That's the short story. <laughs> okay. The arresting okay. officers on scene. Yeah. Long story, uh, y'all, if we ever meet in person, I'd love to share it with a cup of okay. coffee. All right. But uh, <laughs> to finish that, so two arresting officers, I hate using this language, but because it's important, one was white, one was black. Mm-hmm. The white officer kind of abused me, and I am a Caucasian male. Mm-hmm. Uh, put handcuffs on me so tight that I was losing circulation in my fingers as soon as he put them on. Wow. The actual arresting officer, who was the black individual, apologized for the actions of his partner. And then when his partner left, because they had two different vehicles, un- like loosened the handcuffs, like I said, apologetic. And so they're like, you know, <laughs> where's the systemic racism? <laughs> Man, that's a, that's, a, that's a great illustration. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, Eugene, because if you remember... When we talked about, uh, we did the show, Is It Open Season on Black Men Again, right? We talk about <laughs> right. law enforcement. One of the things that we brought out, we talk about the statistics, what they actually bear out is that the greater aggression is usually, if there's going to be aggression or the overuse of force, it's usually within the context of the same ethnicity or culture. Mm-hmm. It's it's not cross-cultural lines. In fact, um, what, what usually happens is that among arresting officers, where there is, and especially as it pertains to the discharge of a firearm, um, that's likely to happen 
or there's a greater likelihood that that's going to happen when the officer is black and the suspect is black, Mm -hmm. but not a white suspect or not a white officer against a black suspect, which is the common narrative that we see and that we're supposed to believe. So anyway, thank you so much, Eugene. I, I appreciate you calling in now, you know, I really, yeah, I think we probably should have a conversation about that Uticus. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Falling asleep, and I mean, I know you can get arrested asleep. for that, but I, mean, I, I didn't, well, I didn't know, I didn't that, know that, that was that, against the law. Um, anyway, we can talk about that later, brother. <laughs> All right, where else do we go? Will the Great? All right, let's go to. Well, uh, let's go to Maria in Indiana. Hi, Maria. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Hello. Hi, so I just wanted to add my two cents about the um, Jessica Jody Whitaker conversation about yes. earlier. Now, yeah. first off, I want to say rest in peace to her. It's never okay for civilians to take, you know, aggression or uh, disagreements into their own hands. But mm-hmm. I do want to say that it's kind of dangerous to put the notion out there or to highlight the fact that it was, you know, Black Lives Matter activists. I think it's um, I think it's irresponsible to even point out a specific group of people and the crimes that they're doing without looking at both sides of the picture. Because, you know, now now everybody is looking at the whole Black Lives Matter movement as people who are crazy and aggressive. And that's, that's not the case. Um, you said that she, you know, died for having a disagreement or saying all lives matter. But I think it was deeper than that. I think it was the, the, the racial tension and the racial conversation that was had earlier. Now, should you kill someone just because they may be a racist? I, I don't think so. But I do think that we need to be very careful with the words that we use when we are, you know, on air and we have a lot of listeners. Um, as Christians, I think it's really safe that we get both sides of the story and we dig deeper into the whys and the how and the and how can we stop this from happening again? Well, let me say this, Maria. I appreciate your call. And um, I, I don't receive the chastisement. Like, I'm, I've been very clear that I am no supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement, their moniker, their mission at all. So whether or not it was people who were in support of the Black Lives Matter organization or Black Lives Matter activists makes no difference to me. What was shouted out is Black Lives Matter. The retort was all lives matter. What happens later in the exchange is that someone loses their life. I don't know how you justify that. I'm open to hearing from you how we make sense of that, though. Yeah, so the the story that that you said was that it was overheard of some racial things that were said from Jessica Doty. No, not from her, at least not according to the article I have in front of me. No, not from her. A conversation that happened in the group that she was in, not from her, but she is the one who said, so, so "Well, all lives matter." Who were saying racist things, so she was with the people who were. So she was justifying the racism. It sounds like that's you infer that. You infer that. Yes. Yes. I don't and, infer and, that and from the story. I infer. That whatever the conversation was, they were approached and she said all lives matter to which they responded black lives or they said black lives matter. Matter is a dismissive term for the fact that black people are being killed left and right by everyone. I disagree with you, Maria. And right now I disagree with you, Maria. And right now your response is an emotional one. It's not rooted in fact. 
black people are not being killed left and right because their lives don't matter. That's what you've been told to think. So I disagree with you. And, and yes, as a Christian, I want to make sure that I communicate accurately. But there is no justification that I think we can bring. There is no logical justification that because somebody says all lives matter, it's legitimate or it's justifiable that they should be the victims of violence. Even if it didn't cost Jessica her life, she should not have been the victim of violence because she said all lives matter. That is not that. And, and look, and the fact that you even think that that's a retort to dismiss somebody else's life shows that you've been indoctrinated. You've been given your thoughts and told what to think on these issues. I'm going to move on to the next call. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Todd in Louisiana. Hi, Todd. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I want to talk about the indoctrination that she's talking about. I'm 52 years old, and, uh, you know, this has been going on since the 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I really didn't understand this, and, and it's funny because I read the scriptures for a long time. And they would put, let's see, like the ape. The ape would start, and then it would go into a man. Come on. <laughs> Do you have a furry tail? coming out of your behind, no. <laughs> Evolution should have never been taught in school. Right. Now, when you take the Bible away, then you're separating God and man. And the government done this. But it's up to Christians who do not stand up. But the rioters stand up. They get together. Mm-hmm. Because we as Christians believe that, you know, that God's going to win in the end. But he will. You will end in the end, but it's up to us to be the hands and feet and voices of Jesus. Amen. Amen. No, I agree with that 110%. Look, and in fact, we got a letter from one of our listeners who said that probably one of the conversations that we need to have right now is the conversation about evolution and the conversation about even where race came from. And I thought, man, that's just so right in the vein of what we've been th- learning about and talking about at our own local fellowship um, that I look, if, if we're talking about how we have gotten to the place where we have moved away from a biblical understanding of creation, it is because of public school indoctrination. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know that's offensive. So many people hate that. They're like, you know, you're coming for our way of life. And no, what I'm trying to tell you is that your way of life has moved away from you as a Christian. That's what I'm I'm trying to tell you, that what you thought school was, it isn't any longer. All right. It's not that. It's not that. It is creating the next wave of people to attack you on the streets and then justify it. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. Look, that's that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And if we hope to change the culture, if we hope to change the culture, we have to start with the generation that's entrusted to us right now at this moment. This is the time right now. It's not. It's not when they get older, we hope that they'll be able to understand. Our kids can understand now. Right now. They can understand now. And they are going to return to a school environment where they are indoctrinated at breakneck speed. Okay? And and all of the things get to come. All of the things get to come. It's not going to just be, you know, human sexuality, but it's also going to be partiality, partiality that is justified. You can be angry at this person. You can hate this person because you are this skin color. And we won't call that racism. That's our culture will normalize hatred. It already has. And so your kids will, (laughs) your kids will adopt it. Right? Your kids will adopt it. Your kids will come back home 
and defend militant organizations as you just heard on this show. <laughs> we need to be careful how we put these organizations, what light we put them in. They're burning down communities. They're burning down communities that they live in. And you're telling me be careful about what kind of light we put them in? They're not the victims. They're not the victims. That's ridiculous. There's no justification for taking somebody's life because you have a disagree with them, a disagreement with them over words. All right, we're out of time. <laughs> Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.